You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 86 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Ramsey Crew patron supporters. Thank you. Today, I will be your host. I don't know why I said that. I'm always the host. <laughs> My Bethany. Good morning. It's early, and I'm still on my first cup of coffee. <laughs> Today's guest is Morgan. Welcome back. It's been Hi. so long. <laughs> yes. All the way back at episode eighty-three. <laughs> it hasn't even aired yet. It hasn't even aired. <laughs> but for listeners, we recorded Sunday. Sunday? No, we didn't record on Sunday because that's when you had your. Yes. Uh, we Well, whatever. We recorded last week and now it's this week. Yeah. <laughs> that's how things, that's how it worked out. That's how, that's how things happen in, in the world. Um, <laughs> I'm still on my first cup of coffee, so while I drink it, why don't you tell me <laughs> what you're currently reading? <laughs> I am currently reading. God, what am I currently reading? <laughs> um, I started Addie Larue. Oh, I so want to read that. Is it good? I'm only on like, and I can't even tell what the chapters are. I think I'm on chapter <laughs> two. Um. But, yeah, I'm just barely into the story. Um, and then I've got, like, three other books I'm supposed to be reading this month. And we were going to read Howl's, but now I can take that off my list. So, whew. Um. <laughs> so I'm reading Snow White uh, by K.M. Shea. It's the 11th book in the Timeless Fairy Tale series. Oh, nice. Um, it's the last one in that series, so... I don't know what to do. Although she has like a bunch of other series. I suppose I could get in on those. <laughs> you could. I've just got so much. I was looking at my TBR pile yesterday. Well, my, my shelves, you know how my shelves are set up. I've got mm-hmm. every everything on the shelf that's pulled forward still has to be read. Uh-huh. And sometimes if I can't make a decision, I'll make Quentin pick. Yeah. And Quentin is, like, definitely a judge-the-cover kind of person. Because <laughs> he'll, he'll grab a book and be like, this cover is pretty, read it. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what to read next. It's either going to be... Well, okay, so here we go. This is what we have as options. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which was the Hunger Games prequel. Yes. Which I put off because I've heard bad things about. Yes. Uh, I need to finish the Miss Peregrine series. Yes, but um, you need to be in a good headspace for that one. 
I really do. <laughs> I need to be in the mood for that one is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Glittering Court series, the Cruel Prince series, Cruel Red Prince series, Cruel Prince, <laughs> Cruel Prince. Uh, uh, A Court of Thorns and Roses, <laughs> and the the Lose the Lux the Lose series is also on there, and that's not even like a third of it. Those are just the ones that I think I'm ready to read. So, right now I'm debating between. The Court of Thorns and Roses and the Cruel Prince. But you said Cruel Prince? Cruel Prince, yes. Just so I can, like, discuss Cardin with you. Because... Well, maybe we can do a bonus episode on it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Dude. Like, okay, so, um, just a thing to keep in mind with that series. The main character is supposed to be unlikable, like, in the beginning. Oh, that's fine. I don't mind an unlikable protagonist. Yeah, I hated her at first, and then she like really grew on me. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind an unlikable protagonist because I totally get it when people are misunderstood. I think I'm misunderstood because <laughs> I definitely get people that think I'm annoying, and I'm like, I'm not annoying. So yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily mind an unlikable protagonist because I'm like, all right, well, eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've read the Twilight series a million times, and she's, like, not the best protagonist, so. <laughs> no, I just read that when I, honestly, I just read that series anymore for Jacob. I just love him. Oh, I can't ever forgive Jacob for literally I... assaulting Bella against her will. And as much as I love Charlie, I hate the scene where she tells her dad, the chief of police, this guy kissed me even though I said no and tried to push him away and punched him in the face. And her dad turns to her attacker and says, do you want to press charges? I am not. Yeah. 2020 puts a different lens on everything. (laughs) Oh my stars. Have you seen the Taylor Swift (laughs) match commercial with 2020 and Satan? What? Oh my god, everybody stop what you're doing. Go online, watch the match commercial with Satan in 2020. And it, they used the new recording of Love Story by Taylor Swift in the background, and it is hilarious. It's Satan is like sitting in, you know, hell. <laughs> and he's like swiping on his cell phone through chicks, and he like stops and sees one. And you can see like the little hearts in his eyes. And then he meets the girl at like the park. And she's like, Satan? And he's like, 2020? And she's like, you can call me 2020. Oh, and then it, my and then just, like, God. Like, running around everywhere that's closed and they're doing stuff, even though everything's closed. There's, like, a scene where she's running out of a bathroom with, like, all the toilet paper and they're laughing, like... And then, oh and it's for match.com, and it's basically like we can find love for anybody. <laughs> oh my god, it is hilarious! I'm gonna have to look that up when we're done. Yep, super duper funny. So, <laughs> okay, let's talk about Fan Art Friday. Yes. So this Fan Art Friday was from Christmas, December 25th. So if you celebrate Christmas, happy Christmas. Yes. 
Yeah. And if you celebrate Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah. And if you celebrate Kwanzaa, happy Kwanzaa. And if you celebrate Yule, happy Yule. And I don't know all the rest of them. I'm really sorry. I'm very uncultured. So just happy whatever holiday you do or do not celebrate. We opened presents um, on Monday because Quentin is seven and cannot wait. <laughs> That's true. That's 100% true. My 34-year-old husband came home, looked at all the the gifts under the tree and was like, I think I finished all my Christmas shopping for you. Did you finish mine? I was like, yeah. Did you get my stocking stuffers? Because he always forgets this and I'm not doing mm-hmm. my own stocking. Like, come on. <laughs> He was like, well, I think we should just open presents now. And I was like, it's not Christmas. And he's like, that's stupid. That's a stupid thing the grownups make their kids do so they behave. And I already know I'm well-behaved, and I want to open my presents. I was like, does that sound like someone who's (laughs) well-behaved? So so we opened our presents on Monday. (laughs) I was like, I don't care. That's true. Who cares if it's the actual day? We already bought it. We already wrapped it. He has to work Christmas Day anyways because the military doesn't care about that kind of stuff. So yeah. So I'm wearing one of the th- – I'm wearing several of the things. So he got me these pajamas with little dogs all over them. Aww. And this giant, fluffy, fleece-lined, ridiculously soft robe with owls all over it. And Ooh. like a five-pack of fuzzy socks with those little gel things on them so I won't fall down and get hurt. <laughs> that is important. Yep. Scamp is wearing his new sweater. Oh. He it's still like new, so it like I don't know, maybe it smells really good. I don't know. I've washed it, but he just does not like to take it off. Maybe he's just cold and he's being a baby. That oh is highly likely. I would also be a baby and want to wear my sweater <laughs> all the time. Quinton bought me another electric blanket. Yes. So I don't have to like go back and forth between the living room and the kitchen and the bedroom now there's one in each room and scamp was in his new sweater and as soon as he realized it was an electric blanket he like came to snuggle with me because he loves the electric blankets and so this dog in a house that has a heater on in a sweater under an electric blanket and snuggled up to me like with his head on like my chest just passed out for like an hour i was like how are you not hot like i am a million degrees right now but you're sleeping and you're cute. <laughs> that sounds so satisfying. Like, I'm always freaking cold, and that just sounds wonderful. Ryan needs to get you an electric blanket. They're a game changer, girl. Fair. Or and do you like, have a dryer I, in your apartment? Do I have a what? A dryer. Oh, yeah. Okay, the next time you're cold, take a blanket and put it in the dryer for 10 minutes. Yeah. Because when you pull it out, it is so warm and so toasty. And it's why Quentin bought me an electric blanket because he thought it was silly that I constantly did that. And I was like, whatever, it's warm. Yeah. They do that at hospitals all the time. They have, like, heated blankets, and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I used to have a towel, this uh, towel warmer rack thing. Oh, that thing was glorious. I bet. Oh, and I got new towels and candles. I got a bunch of stuff. Quentin and I are really nice to each other. I got him this drone that you, like, a fly-around drone, you know, for, like, kids. Uh-huh. That I thought he was going to be really excited about, but it turns out my husband is, like, paranoid. 
And he was like, it's like reading the box. And he was like, no, no, this company will hack. They, they steal information off your phone if you download their app. And I was like, conspiracy theory much? And he was like, I work for the military. I know all kinds of stuff you don't know. And I was like, fine, take it back. I don't care. I already, I already got you like in uh I got him a virtual reality headset game thing for his birthday. He doesn't need a drone too. take it back. <laughs> yeah. No, that virtual reality, that video that you sent. Oh my gosh. That was so funny. <laughs> he's so like, cute watching him play it. There's like, <laughs> cause he's just like dodging things that aren't there. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just waiting for him to like run into the wall or something. Um, it's it's usually Beowulf because Beowulf doesn't understand what's going on. So Beowulf is like just sees Quentin like jumping around in the house, and so Beowulf is like, "Oh, we're jumping!" And okay. <laughs> so Beowulf will come and like follow him around, and then Quentin will like walk into Beowulf, and then Quentin is like, "Oh my god, who did I hit? Are they okay?" And I'm like, "Yes, they're fine." <laughs> yeah, no. My dogs are my dogs are always under feet, right? The one he's playing right now is, like, basically a Robin Hood. He's, like, in the woods with, like, a crossbow and his friends, and they have to get all the bad guys. So you just oh constantly see him, like, aiming a bow and arrow that isn't real. And That's even so though weird. it has sound effects, he still feels the need to make sound effects. So he's always, like, Psh, Oh, Psh. my God. And I'm, like, doesn't that have sound effects? And he's, like, yeah, mine are better. <laughs> Can you, like, connect it to the TV so you can see what he's seeing or something Uh, like that? um, I have no idea. I haven't asked. I will ask and get back to you. Okay, cool. Because I think that would be really interesting. It's never occurred to me to ask. I just know he said I can't play it. So. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely not. No, it has like severe seizure warnings. Even if you don't get like a flashy game, it's like something about the the loss of um, outside atmospheric influence mm-hmm. because it's like literally it's like a sealant over your eyes and all you see is this the simulated game. So yeah, there's yeah, like but- even if it's not like a game that has strobe effects, it's still like really dangerous. So I was like, I just won't play it. Yeah, no, definitely. But I yeah. love watching. I love watching Ryan play video games. So I could definitely see like enjoying something like that because I'm sure my husband's going to get himself one of those at some point. Yeah, Quentin is very very happy. Um, he keeps playing with it, and he's already coming up with new games. And like him and my brother in law were like nerding out about it because I like video called my sister Lindsay, and she could see Quentin in the background. And she was like, "What is my brother doing?" And because that's, it's her brother. That's what she calls him. And so I don't want people to think that like, that's actually her brother. It's just that we've been together since she was like 13. Um, (laughs) And so I told him that she has this virtual reality game and her boyfriend, Randy was just like, Oh, is it this one? Is it this model? What game is he playing? And I'm just like, I don't know. It's the one he wanted. And it's a game he chose. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what all is going on. Yeah. Oh, so the thing he's most proud of that he bought Morgan, mm-hmm. and I want you to imagine this in his voice, is he bought us matching shoes, which he thinks makes him the most adorable husband ever. Yes, yes, you told me about the matching shoes. 
He's such a nerd, right? He's like, every time we put them on, he's like, we're so cute. And I'm like, you're really proud of yourself for this one, aren't you? Of course. Of course. He almost got us matching PJs for Christmas, too, so we could be like one of those those pictures. Um, but he couldn't find yeah. any that would fit him and fit me because we're like very different sizes in people. Fair. So, yeah, no matching PJs. Oh, well. Oh, well. Maybe yeah, so. ones, <laughs> the ones that you got that have the dogs all over them, are they the B positive ones from Costco? No, they are like red. Oh, okay. um, they're from, I think they're from Kohl's. Quentin doesn't wrap presents. He just leaves them in the bag and puts them under a blanket. So right. <laughs> I, I know where everything okay. came from. <laughs> um, so they're from Kohl's and they're red with like gray lining and they have little pictures of dogs in like Christmas outfits. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, cause I got a, I got a pair of PJs from Costco from Ruth for Christmas and like we've already done Christmas like I gave her her birthday present the other day already anyway um, but yeah I got ones from Costco that are white and have dogs all over them and then there's embroidery on the left wrist that says be positive so I love Costco I do love Costco so Costco bad. if you're ready to endorse the podcast I'm here <laughs> I got my Spotify wrap up, you guys, and the podcast, like in terms of downloads and followers, has increased to six hundred and eighty-five percent in the last year. Is that not insane? That is so awesome. Is so this time awesome. last year, we were finishing up Cinder, and we had like three hundred followers on Instagram and like a total of two hundred and fifty downloads. And now we have like 2,700 followers on Instagram or more by the time people are listening to this and over 20,000 downloads. And it's just been a huge year for us. And I owe a lot of it to Marissa Meyer. So thank you. (laughs) She shared us and she did episodes with us. She's been super supportive. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. She's so amazing. Should we talk about some fan art? Yeah, I think we started and then we got sidetracked. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, so <laughs> this is from Jessica Parker Art. It is of Thorn and Cress wandering through the desert. He has his blindfold on. So I'm going to say that it has to be after they met with the caravan crew. So maybe yeah. it's when, when they went on their little walkums after she woke up. That's what we call going on a walk in my house, walkums. After she woke up <laughs> from her fever. That's that's my yeah. theory. Yeah, I would say so. Or they just forgot that he doesn't have his bandana in the desert. Um, <laughs> Always a possibility. Yeah, no, but I love I love how she's done Cress's face and her hair and like her towel she, shoes. Yes, no, she's just absolutely adorable. With she her is. little freckles and her little worried eyes, and she's just, she's so cute. She's just holding on to Thorn. I also love, like, the fact that this is, it's, like, black and white, but I still feel like it's brown. Right? Like, I feel like it has a brown thematic or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
No, she did. She did really good with this. I love it. And th- I, I really do think Cress looks absolutely adorable, and Thorn looks good too. He does. Uh, he's he's nice and disheveled, and you can see like the little tiny markings of stubbly hair. Yes. Because because Cress has to amend all of her fantasies to now include facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> I adore her. So big thank you from Jessica Parker Art for sharing that. And then this next one is from Laura Hollingsworth. And I'm sure Ashley will be very happy because it is of Jason. And he looks great. Yes. Laura Hollingsworth does my favorite version of Kai as well. Yes. These ones are like the originals original fan arts that I saw for these characters. So this is how I always pictured them. These are the first fan arts I ever saw of any of Lunar Chronicles. Yeah. So this is how I definitely see all the characters. And with him, like, this is how I picture his hair. See, I picture his hair a little bit longer. Yeah. Because I think at one point they say it's a ponytail, right? Am I wrong about that? No, yeah. That, like, I always forget about that, so I always picture his hair this length, and then I see the ponytail, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot he has long hair. <laughs> I don't know why. It just, I just always picture this length of hair, so I always forget that he has, like, long hair. Yeah. But I do, I do love it. I love that his eyebrows, it's so silly, but, like, I love that he has, like, a prominent eyebrow, because I feel like, duh, he would have a prominent eyebrow. Oh yeah, and those striking blue eyes. Yes. And I love the little, like, if you look at the collar of his outfit, his guard's uniform, it's little crescent moons instead of buttons. Yes. Such a nice touch. And yes. I love that there's, like, a blue haze around the photo, the, mm-hmm. the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly okay. well done. Can you hear my dog snoring? I can. And I have to say, I love when dogs snore. They will have this habit of, like, not snoring, but, like, he'll, like, I don't know. (laughs) He makes, like, a, like, a nasal noise, like a snorting when you pet him the right way. He's, like, like, (laughs) it's, like, a cat purr, (laughs) but weird. (laughs) No, I've got, both of my dogs have the snub nose. And this is actually my thorn. Um, So, but he was born before... He was born in 2011, so he was not named after my favorite character, Thorn. But they're both dumb. Um, it's serendipitous. It is. But they're both, uh, they're snub-nosed. So <laughs> he just, he, since day one, he snores. And then, like, some days, him and my husband will have, like, snoring contests. And I'm just laying in bed like, I just want to sleep. <laughs> oh my goodness. Quentin sent me this meme the other day. Of someone sleeping and someone like with an eye roll, and it was mm-hmm. like, don't you hate people that snore that are basically just like teasing you and taunting you? Like, look, I'm asleep and you're not. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> he's always snoring. I call him my lawnmower because <laughs> it's it's loud and it'll wake me up and it'll be very difficult for me to get back to sleep. And most of the time, like I don't, I have to be up because like I have responsibilities. Like I, mm-hmm. like I spend like 10 hours a day doing schoolwork, but I don't have to get up at a certain time necessarily. Yeah. So a lot of times I'll just get up and do stuff and then go to back to sleep when he goes to work at five. Um, 
or if I'm really exhausted, like I'll go sleep in the living room. <laughs> but yeah. like he'll ask me sometimes, like, do you sleep okay last night, baby? And I'm like, well, there was a lawnmower in my bed, so no. Not at all. <laughs> but I apparently don't snore, so he got well, lucky. Right? Good for him, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he Quentin is one of those people, and I'm so jealous of this because I have, like, sleep issues, but, like, Quentin is one of those people. Head hits the pillow, he's asleep. Yeah. Just, I'm asleep now. Yeah, I used to be like that, but not anymore. I'm, like, somewhat like that now because I pretty much don't go to bed until I feel like I'm about to fall asleep anyways, but... Yeah. Like... On day, some days you're just tired, even though you're not sleepy. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like some days, I feel like you just need to go to bed, even if you're not sleepy. <laughs> yeah. No, and of course, last night I knew we were going to be up and recording at seven a.m. this morning, and I'm still like sending you memes at like midnight last night. <laughs> <laughs> I know the other day I I recorded with Becca the librarian and. I forgot what time it was and I like messaged her and she was like and then like four hours later she messaged me and she's like what are you doing up at 2 30 in the morning I was like I was like oh I woke up and I couldn't fall back asleep so I like got up and I did like productive stuff and she's like what are you talking about gosh Uh, I got up I like did dishes and laundry and cleaned the house and read a couple of chapters and then I went back to sleep at like 10 30 I think what I do I'm already planning on to when we're done recording this I'm gonna record a bonus episode for Patreon and then I'm gonna take a nap I'm really looking okay. forward to it <laughs> that'll be nice yeah I'm I'm telling myself that I don't need a nap in between when we finish recording and when I have to be at work at 10 I'm a big like nap advocate <laughs> yes I feel like if you need a nap, you need a nap. And if you can take one, go for it. But I know a lot of people, like, hate the concept of naps. So I'm like, nope, I love it. Take a nap if you're tired. Go for it. Definitely. Quentin gets up for work every day at, like, 4.30. And then Mm -hmm. he gets home from work at 4.30. Mm -hmm. And he will almost always, like, eat dinner at 4.30 and then, like, nap until, like, 8.30 and then stay awake until midnight. But it it works for him. It's his cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on. (laughs) We've already had like half an hour worth of tangents that I'm sure everybody's just dying to hear about like my husband's sleep cycle and what I got for Christmas. (laughs) So last week, Patreon members voted on chapter titles. Chapter 36 is Speechless by Naomi Scott from Disney's Aladdin. And chapter 37 is Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Ooh. Which I always want to say in the First Wife Club voice. Have you seen that movie? Uh-uh. Oh, First Wives Club is a really good movie from the 90s. It's got Ben Midler, Goldie Hawn, and uh, Diane Keaton, and Sarah Jessica Parker, and Maggie Smith. Hmm. It's amazing. Everybody go watch it. It's a really good one. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. <laughs> But she always says it, like, in that movie, she says, like, Guns and Roses? And I'm, like, always want to say it in that voice now. (laughs) (laughs) Love that Midler. Anyways, chapter 38 of Crest and chapter 39 of Crest is what we are covering today. Yes. 
Last week, we left off with Cress running away from Dr. Erland and Dr. Erland realizing that Cress is his daughter, his shell daughter, who was supposed to have been murdered in the infanticide. Yes. Crazy. We're in Cress's perspective. She's in the closet, crouched and cramped and quiet and trying to listen. She didn't want to leave the hotel because she knew Gina would still be outside. Smart. Very smart. So she went down the hall to another room and she got into a closet and squeezed herself onto the top shelf and hid there. So she is so little. Yeah, she's so small and so, like, nimble to be able to get up there. Well, if you don't win a lot, it's easy to move your body around. Yeah. She's, like, up there thinking, oh, I should have grabbed a, I should have grabbed a weapon and mm-hmm. she hopes that he, like, goes around the town looking for her instead of in the rooms. Yeah. Because that would give her enough time to get to a net screen and try to call Thorn. And oh, she yeah. says she feels like she's been waiting for hours. Yeah, and she doesn't hear anything. And she's like, dang it, I should have used the net screen then. How do you? How long do you think she's actually been up there? Do you think like it has been hours, or do you think it just feels like it's been hours, and it's probably it, only been like I don't know, forty five minutes? It probably feels like it's been hours, and her adrenaline is probably waning at this point. Um, so it's probably been probably at most she's probably up there for an hour. So I really That's don't think I she. Do. I really don't think she knocked him out that hard. Right? Uh, <laughs> so, I completely I mean, agree. You're a girl, but yeah, I know. <laughs> She's sitting up there, and it reminds her of being on her satellite and hiding under her desk and trying to avoid looking at, at Luna. And mm-hmm. she finds the memory strangely protective. Yeah. Well, and we had, because I was on the first chapters with you. Um, yes and that was chapters and now we're on chapter 38 no but like i specifically remember in those chapters like i want to say my quote for that chapter had something to do with her hiding from luna um and like it's interesting to me that that's what she's finding reassuring at this point right um is that those were the times that she felt safe was when she couldn't see Luna. Um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of sad when you think about it. Um, it's a poor girl. It's interesting. The things that provide us with a sense of safety. Yeah. Like, obviously I feel safe when I'm around my husband. Same. Dogs. Anywhere familiar, like my aunt Robin's house. They moved into that house before I was born. So even though I've probably only been there like 10 times in my whole life, it has like a very strong sense of um, familiarity to it because it's just been there my whole life. So it's like a stable environment or something. I don't know. (laughs) My in-law's house, they've lived there since Quentin was born. Um, So it's been the same house for the last like since I met him 15 years ago. So there's Mm -hmm. like a strange sense of like familiarity with him there. Even if Quentin's not with me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Like, that's how it was. That's how it was with my grandma's house. And Mm -hmm. uh, we lost it after she died. And it, like, that hurt. 
I mean, I doubt that I ever actually wanted to go back to California and live in that house, but it's still just sad, like, that we don't have it in the family anymore. Like, we can't go to it. And um, we went home for our wedding in 2019, and we drove by it, and I watched someone else walk through the front door, and, like, my heart just broke. You should have Um, asked if you could pop in. No, no, like... No, I, I don't think I would have been able to handle, like, walking That's inside. Fair. That's fair. But, yeah, no. Those, those those things that make us comfortable that we're used to. And even, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, a, a place or a person. Like, Mm-mm. I have this really old sweater that stopped fitting Quentin, like, eight years ago and it's one of my favorite sweaters in the universe you can tell it stopped fitting him because it fits me really well (laughs) um my heated blanket I love my heated blanket I always feel like a strong sense of like coverage I guess yeah I don't know I would love to hear everybody's like places or like moods or what people or something that makes them feel safe like what they need to feel safe like my doors are always locked and I have pepper spray in almost every room and I feel safe with that yeah I mean what what makes you feel safe what makes you feel comfortable um yeah I, I would like to know that too I'm really interested yeah I'm very curious so we'll find out I guess I hope everybody tells me <laughs> She wonders if the old man is dead, if she hit him hard enough that he's dead. And she starts to feel guilty and angry. And then she's like, no, I don't need to feel angry. He's a lunar trafficking monster. Yes. And here I feel kind of bad because, like, the doctor didn't get a chance to explain himself. But he is kind of into lunar traffic. Well, not kind of. He's buying lunars. That's lunar trafficking. So, like. I feel like like he (laughs) is the market as well like right like it wasn't there beforehand and now it's there like with uh cyborg test subjects mm, he also made that a thing so and this is like one of those things that makes me like yes he's a slytherin duh yeah yeah and then she finally hears him like start moving around and so nope didn't kill him she squeezes her eyes shut and waits And she dozes off at one point. Mm -hmm. And she realizes she's hidden long enough. The old man's not searching for her. Even though he paid a lot for her, maybe he only wanted her blood. Yeah. And how coincidental that Sybil also wanted her blood and the blood of all those shells that she saved. Okay, so in the notes, I, like, put quotations around saved. Saved. Because. uh, Yeah. Yeah, no. Sybil Yeah. Sybil would not have had to save them. Hero complex. Exactly. Ugh. Ugh. It just ugh. it just gives me that like heebie jeebie feeling when I think about Sybil and the concept that she saved them. It's like It's like no. a very severe gaslight to tell them that she saved them. Exactly. I I feel like she, like, I don't know, recycled them. I don't know. That sounds inhuman, but, like, 
I don't want to give yeah. her the semblance of saved them, but obviously what she did prevented them from dying. So she did to a certain extent prevent their deaths, but I don't think that means that she saved them because she's using them for their blood for whatever reason. So it's more like she repurposed them. Exactly. Repurposed is a really good word. And then she like full on repurposed Cress. Yeah. Cause um, now she, cause she decided not to just use Cress for her blood. Yeah. But for her abilities as well. And then still, like, even though everything that Cress has done, Cress has to be grateful that Sybil didn't let her be killed. Yeah, in those chapters with Sybil, she was, like, berating her for everything. Like, I saved you. I let you live up here. I gave you all these luxuries. This is how you repay me. And that was before she got caught. That was just by not finding the cyborg fast enough. Exactly. Even besides everything else that she's done. And it explains a lot of of Cress's character. And I think this is a nice character arc because she did fight back. She did fight the old man. She did fight the doctor. She did run away. She tried yeah. to fight when they caught her in the van. Like, she's she's developing a sense of self-preservation. Yeah getting there yeah she finally opens the door which has the loudest squeak in the universe because she's in a silent hotel and trying to hide yes she's dizzy and she's parched she remembers that the third room had a net screen so she mm-hmm. she goes there there's a man in the bed but he's sleeping so she gets the net screen she turns it on and it pulls up a map of earth and what do you know there are certain places on the map that are marked. New Beijing, yeah. Paris, Rio, and a tiny oasis town in Africa. What a coincidence. Some things are starting to click together. Yes. Everything is very serendipitous. I mean, it has to be, right? Because, like, otherwise it's not a good story. But still. Yeah. She knows that Lavana has access to the Earth and Neb but, and has to be careful, but also thinks that, like, What's Lavana going to do about a hotel in Kufra? And things yeah. like, oh, okay, it's probably fine. Yeah. Well, and another part, like, right there, she mentions Cinder was essentially the first phone call she ever made. Right? So this is now, this is now the second phone call she has ever made. So, or comlink, excuse me. This is the second comlink she's ever made in her entire existence like that to me is just oh this poor kid so she calms the hotel the clerk answers and she's like shh my friend is asleep can i talk to mr smith she sees that there's 97 new alerts for lynn cinder and I love this, like, Mr. Smith left yesterday after a commotion. He may be a wanted. Click. Hang up. Done. Peace. So Thorin had had to run. Yes, he had had to get away, and Cress has no idea why, but we know what happened, and we know what he's in the middle of trying to do, so. Yeah. Go Thorin. He would have no idea. She had no idea how to find him. She would never see him again. Yeah, that, she that has to be a scary moment for her. 
Right? Because that's like the only person on Earth that she knows to a certain extent because she doesn't know that Cinder and all of them have come back to Earth. She doesn't have any way of contacting them. She doesn't have any way of contacting anyone. She probably knows how to contact Sybil, but obviously that's not a good idea. Definitely not. So she's just like hiding in this hotel room with like, what am I supposed to do now? Because what if she runs away? Well, she's in a town that's an oasis desert. Like, where is she going to run? Back to the desert where she almost died? Yeah, no. Definitely not. And then apparently, like, the chick was trying to say, like, we think he's a wanted criminal. Um, If she was seen in the same hotel room as him, uh, yeah, no, not a good idea. No, she'd be considered an accomplice. Exactly. Yeah. So she pulls up all these alerts that keep going off. Lynn Cinder, New Beijing, Paris, Ryu, France. But there's nothing new about Thorne. No. He hasn't, it hasn't been brought to the media's attention yet. He hasn't been arrested. Nope. It hasn't been, like, brought to the attention of the media that he was found at this hotel. Mm-hmm. There was people weren't, like, posting pictures and theories to their Instagram and MySpace and whatever. MySpace. Why did I say MySpace when that's basically been extinct for over a decade? Honestly, though, I still wish, like, we had used MySpace a lot longer. Everyone would be able to code now if that was the case. That's like, fair. I used to make my own backgrounds. I used to do all of that. I have absolutely no idea what I did. <laughs> I mean, I could teach you if you want. <laughs> that would be a fun class. Right? That would be a bonus episode. Learn how to code from Bethany. If I was going <laughs> to do an episode on it, I would make Quentin help me because I only know what I learned for school and this is his career <laughs> and he does it for the United States military. So he's much better at it than I am. I know how to do like library related stuff and website development and that's about it. And he can do all kinds of stuff. Maybe that's how you can like get him in first. Like, hey, baby, show us how to do this and then like sneak in an episode halfway through. I'm trying really hard to convince him to record a bonus episode with me on Wally. Yes. My favorite Disney movie. So fingers crossed, you guys. Yes. I have a feeling if I ask on the right day when he's in the right mood and I'm like, look, I bought donuts or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can bribe him. Yes. <laughs> so she pulls up the news feed and she sees that there's another person listed on the alerts. A lunar accomplice named Demetria Erland, the doctor who helped Cinder escape. And she realizes that that's the same doctor who's probably wanted even more than Thorne. And she's like, isn't he supposed to be on our side? Yeah, isn't he supposed to be one of the good guys? Mm -hmm. Like, loosely. And then because it's Marissa Meyer, we can't just end there. She was so engrossed with her unanswered questions that she didn't hear the subtle creaking of the bed until a hand grabbed her. End of chapter three. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So Cress gets, we already had like all of this information, but Cress gets a lot of information in this pair, in this like chapter. Mm -hmm. It was a really short chapter. It was like six minutes on my audio book. Yeah. Yeah. Very short. So what was your chapter title for this one? 
My chapter title was Panic Room. I don't know how to say her name. Is it Aura? A-U slash R-A? I've never heard the, of them until you sent me this, so I have no idea. No. But yeah, the song is Panic Room, and I just, like, she's in a very small space, and she's panicking, so <laughs> that's the whole reason I picked that song. It's a very good song, though. I love it. Good. So I came up with two. The Great Escape by Boys Like Girls, because she just made The Great Escape. Definitely. (laughs) And then Keep Your Eyes Open by Taylor Swift, because she should have kept her eyes open. (laughs) Gotta pay attention. You're not in a safe space. Pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, that's also, like, one of my favorite songs of hers. Because also, like, I love when she just writes a song because someone tells her to. Like, obviously, people write songs when they're, like, inspired and stuff. But I love listening to her stories of, like, how she writes songs when people tell her to. Because Mm -hmm. this song was written because the soundtrack people from Hunger Games approached her and were like, could you write a song that was inspired by this film? And she was like, well, let me watch the film. And this is what she came up with after watching it. Oh, nice. Right? Cool. Same thing with um, Safe and Sound, which was also from The Hunger Games, and mm-hmm. Sweeter Than Fiction, and just like a bunch of stuff. You guys know I love Taylor Swift. We're not going to start this tangent again, but I love listening to stories about how people write songs and their ideas and where they come from and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was your quote for this chapter? My quote was, Thorn wasn't there. He had to run, and now she had no idea how to find him. He was being hunted, and he would be captured, and she would never see him again. And it just, it's heartbreaking for me, for her in that moment, like, what she must be feeling, the emotions. Like, this poor girl has gone through the ringer, and now just add this on top of everything else the one person she had she's never going to be able to see him again at least that's that's what she's thinking right now and i just can't well that's the reality she's living in right now why would she have any reason to think that that he that would see him again yeah that he would be able to find her like it it's just heartbreaking it is what she's going through right now I agree. That that feeling of hopelessness is very real here. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So mine was, it reminded her of sleeping beneath the bed in her satellite during those long hours when Luna could be seen through her windows. She'd always felt safe then, and the memory brought a strange sense of protection even now. Um, Just like what we talked about earlier, I love that certain feelings or memories or even just being in a small space like she is, it brings a sense of safety and protection. And I I love thinking of how different influences bring safety, bring protection, give you a sense of comfort, like my heated blanket and things like that. Yeah. 
Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your your podcast. And now back to the show. So chapter 39. Look at this. The one where everybody gets reunited. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite. This is like one of my favorite chapters in the book. So I specifically requested this one. So I think I hit I think I hit like my six month mark a while back. But we've just been waiting for this one. <laughs> Yeah, you were like, and then Ruth wanted one later on, so she'll by the time she gets to her episode, she'll be at like nine months on the Patreon or something. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like I really want this chapter though, and I'm like, all right, whatever works. (laughs) If I can help, I try. Like, I always let people know, I'm like, if you have like a favorite chapter, let me know, and I'll try my best. I can't promise anything, but I will try. I've yeah, already had yeah. people who are trying to claim like parts of stars above. And I'm like, you're going to have to remind me in two years when we get there. Right. I don't know right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a while away still. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we're still in Cress's perspective and who does the hand belong to? It belongs to a handsome, but murderous man. Oh. We needed, we need Quentin's like, scary voice but he's at work right now well no i don't want wolf to be as scary as the like a demonic voice he came up with that one day so no definitely um, not <laughs> so yeah the the scary man says who are you who are you and her instinct is to scream but instead she apologizes she tries to explain she was like please don't call the doctor yeah not that he actually knows who the doctor is but she doesn't know that. Yeah. Poor girl. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I would do in this stage. I probably would scream. I probably wouldn't be able to like, okay, don't scream. I probably, I would definitely just start screaming, screaming, kicking. Oh, I, would, I would have screamed the second, like I felt someone touch me. Right. Oh, no. Yeah. I would have screamed my head off. The fact that she actually did not is like, it, it it's shocking to me. It shows her, her self-control that she can prevent herself from screaming. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he looks he's... around, he lets her arm go. He's covered in bandages and his words are slurred. He's like, what happened? Where? He can't seem to focus. And right when Crest starts to calm down a little bit, she sees his lunar soldier ops tattoo. he's one of the queen's mutants and now she's having like flashbacks of all of the videos that she's seen of what they've done to people and just uh, again a parallel to the first chapter we covered together of Cress when she was watching all the news feed of these these wolfen soldiers attacking earth yeah so scary and now she screams Yep. 
He grabs her and she can see his sharp teeth. Remember, he has sharp teeth. Yes. Tears began to work their way out of her lashes. Her jaw was aching where he held her, but she was more afraid of what would happen when he let go. Did he think she worked for the doctor? Could it be that he was just one more victim sold off to the man? He was lunar, so they had that much in common. If she could convince him that they were allies, maybe she could get away long enough to run. But could these monsters even be reasoned with? I don't know. Yeah. So, like, we know that they can. But, like, even Scarlet had trouble when that night in Paris when... Jael was controlling Wolf. Even she had trouble getting through to him. So, like, yeah, obviously, it's, yeah. it's difficult. But he's not being controlled right now. He's just yeah. coming out of he's- a heavily sedated coma and overwhelmed and um, disoriented. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I also, like, next to that line, I wrote monster. And then more to the point for, like, who are the monsters in this story? So, lunars are monsters to earthens. Shells are monsters to lunars. And now, the wolf soldiers are pretty much just monsters to everyone. For um, Cress, pretty much everyone she's met has been a monster. Sybil was a monster. The lunar guard, in her perspective, like, okay. Yes. The lunar guard who didn't rescue her was a monster. These people who abducted her on Earth were monsters. This doctor who trafficked her and stole her blood was a monster. And now she's being attacked. Like, she's only met, like, ten people in her whole life. And they've all been crappy except for Thorn. Yeah. And, so I mean, he's... She hung to him <laughs> so much. The bar is pretty low for Thorn. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's Just- totally as to why she would like cling to him so much it's like the first person that's been even remotely kind to her yes and didn't betray her yes it is the door opens and he moves crest in front of him like a shield and then he's stumbling and we have a lunar guard in the doorway not just a lunar guard sybil's guard sybil's guard and she thinks Sybil found her. Now what's she supposed to do? Honestly, I think I would have passed out at that point. I know, like, right? That poor girl. She needs like, a hug. She needs a nap more than we do. Like, but not like just a nap, like a comforting nap, like in a safe space with a warm be- bed. Like, I know what's chasing her. Not in the desert, in the dirt, not in the back of the van, not in the closet. She Like, not in a satellite. This poor girl has never slept in a comfortable and safe environment in her life. I just want everybody to think about that. Yeah. She slept in lava tubes. She slept on her satellite, which I guess you could make the argument was comfortable and safe, but I doubt it. She slept in the desert. She slept in a tent. She slept in the van on the way to this hotel. She didn't even get to sleep in the hotel room. She got a bed. She never even got to test out like the bed and stuff. Like, she has just never, like, can you imagine, I, if I'm traveling for multiple days and have to sleep, like, in the car and in hotels, I, like, immediately am exhausted when I get back to my own bed. And that's from sleeping in cars and hotels. Like, 
And I don't mean in the back of a van. Like I'm in a comfortable seat in my car and I'm short. Okay. I can get pretty comfortable in a seat. Oh yeah. Like I've got plenty of space. As comfortable as possible. So the guard seems stunned to see her and Wolf is like, where's Scarlet? Guard says, you're the hacker, right? The man threatens to kill Cress to get to Scarlet. This is so, we're going to talk about a reveal in a second that I have issues with, but this is like, what have Scarlet, where's Scarlet? He doesn't care about me. You have five seconds to tell me where she is or this girl is dead and you're next. Remember what we've been talking about for like six chapters. Wolf is Mm going to freak when he wakes up and Scarlet is not there. And what just happened? He woke up. Scarlet's not there. He freaked. Exactly. Duh. I mean, Scarlet is his electric blanket. Like, Right? Scarlet is his safe space. Scarlet is his thunder shirt. Yes. Like <laughs> 100% Scarlet is his thunder shirt. Okay, I need an artist. I need an artist to do this. <laughs> well, he is like part wolf. <laughs> oh my gosh. We need a surrendering wolf in his thunder shirt. I need, it needs to be like a red hoodie kind of thunder shirt. Well, I'm trying to decide if I want him in, like, an actual Thunder shirt and just have Scarlet's face on it, or if we want somebody who's, like, (laughs) who could draw Scarlet just, like, draped around him, like, her arms around his neck and her legs (laughs) around his stomach. Oh, my gosh. The the arms and the legs are, like, the the Velcro. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And on the back it says Scarlet, but instead of saying like Thunder shirt, it says Scarlet and like the L is a zigzag, like a lightning bolt. Yes. Yeah. Everyone listening who's an artist, you get to work on that. We will be impatiently waiting. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think your husband would do if he woke up and you weren't there and you were supposed to be? Like not necessarily Uh, in this scenario, but just like Let's say you weren't there for some reason and you and you were supposed to be, what would he do? I mean, first he'd call me and be like, Did you forget to tell me something? And I would have been like, Yes. I had to go get my wedding shoes last night and you were asleep and I didn't want to wake you. So <laughs> I like <laughs> ran out of the house as quickly as I could, went to the wrong store, then had to drive like thirty minutes to another store. And then, like, all while hoping he was still asleep so I wouldn't have to explain, like, why I didn't tell him where I was going while he was asleep. So Quentin's so. is always that he forgets. Mm-hmm. And Quentin always freaks out. And it's not like a phone call of, like, hey, babe, did you forget to tell me something? It's a phone call of, like, where are you? Are you okay? What's happening? Why aren't you at home? And I'm like, remember I told you I have this going on today? Yes. Right. Okay. Why didn't you say goodbye to me? I did. I gave you a kiss. You said love you. This whole thing happened. (laughs) 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 You just get used you get used to certain things, you freak out. I guess. This one this one time we were at a hotel in Colorado 
And I woke up before he did and we wanted to get back on the road right away because we were driving from Nebraska to California. So we had just stopped in Colorado to like get a few hours sleep and then we were going to get right back on the road. Uh So I woke up before him. We had originally planned to be on the road by 7 a.m. I woke up at like 5.30. So I was like, well, I'm not tired. I can sleep in the car later. If I get tired, I'll just go ahead and get us started. So like I started packing up our stuff and taking it back to the car, took a shower, got myself ready. I went to get us coffee from the lobby and like the free breakfast stuff that they have. And he freaked out when he woke up. And I was like, I just went to the lobby to get us some coffee and some breakfast. And he's like, why didn't you tell me where you were going? And I was like, because you drove for 13 hours today and I thought you might be tired. Like, and I was going down, where did you think I was going? We're in a hotel in Colorado. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think somebody came in and got me? I mean, you're small. (laughs) They can pick you right up. And you just slipped right through it. Yeah. I get it. I'm a really small person. You watch a couple too many episodes of Law and Order, you start to panic, you, you know? Yes. Yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> my my sister Lindsay, hey Lindsay. My sister Lindsay is like that too. Sometimes like if we like when we went to Harry Potter World, like pretty much every time I got lost in a crown, she was just like, "Where the fuck is Bethany?" And I'm like, "But you're like the younger sister. Like I'm supposed to protect you." And she's like, "Well, I'm a foot taller, so let's just be realistic here." Like exactly. <laughs> cuz I'm really short, you guys. Anyways, poor wolf. <laughs> Yeah. Chris says, they don't care if you kill me. He doesn't care about me. And she realizes they both work for the queen. Why would they threaten each other? Exactly. Does not compute. No, they should be on the same side. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like, you should be on this side in Chris's perspective that's not adding up right now, like with the doctor too. Yeah. Yeah. So the guard starts to relax. He says, let me get Cinder or the doctor. They can explain. And the operative, we're going to talk about this in a second. The operative has recognition at Cinder's name. Yeah. Before Cress can tell the guard where she came from, the doctor shows up. I love Cress. Yes. She's so proud of herself. She sees the mark that she left on his jaw. Cress couldn't help but feel a sting of pride to see that she'd left a mark on his jaw. Love it! That's our girl. Yes. Yep. Cue the fifth harmony. That's my girl. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll put a clip in there so you guys don't have to hear me sing it. (laughs) That's my girl. That's my girl. That's my girl. That's my and the doctor's like, oh, stars of all the bad timing. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of bad timing. There's stuff going on. Yes. A lot going on at once. The doctor says, let her go. We are not your enemies. That girl is not your enemy. Please allow me to explain. Now we're going to have a conversation. This whole chapter, it's been the soldier, the operative, the wolf operative. Now, all of a sudden, we get a capital wolf Pulled an arm away from her. Bottom of page 347. What up, Marissa? <laughs> Nobody actually says his name. And this whole book, this whole chapter is in Chris's perspective. And the whole chapter, she's been calling him the wolf, like the wolf operative, the operative, like page 346, the wolf operative. 
She also calls him the operative four times on page 346. Page 344, the man. Like, she never calls him by his name because she doesn't know his name. And then randomly, with no explanation whatsoever, she knows his name, bottom of page 347. What up? Now I'm going to have to go back and look. You can just take my word for it because you know I obsessed about this. Oh, no, I'm sure you did. I messaged Patreon about this like six months ago. I don't remember. I sent it in the group chat because I was like, you guys seeing this? <laughs> There's a little yeah. post-it that's been in my book for a long time waiting to waiting to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, I, I feel like it's probably just an oversight, but. I mean, it could be, but at the same time, like, we already know that it's Wolf. The audience already knows that it's Wolf. Like. Yeah, but the audience has known that it's Wolf all along and she's been calling him the operative this whole time. Yes, but now, in case anyone wasn't sure that it's Wolf, now we definitely know that it's Wolf. Yeah, because lots of these lunar soldiers are in Africa with the doctor treating them desperate to know where Scarlet is. Ma'am? It could be anyone. (laughs) It could be anyone. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Wolf's ways, he thinks, I've been here before. Cinder, Africa? He's still, like, very confused as to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you hear someone thumping up the steps. <laughs> it's like, cross! Yes. <laughs> and it's Captain Ford! Captain! <laughs> So this is, and this is why this chapter is my favorite because like (laughs) you you just have this slapstick moment of Chris Ford or Captain and he just runs right past the door because he's blind and he has no idea what's going on. I love him running right past the door. (laughs) And like they watch him and then she says Captain again and he like comes back and then they have this interaction and now, um, so you're probably not going to get this, but I'm sure Quentin and any other, like, anime fans would get this reference. Uh, but this scene reminds me of Inuyasha and Kagome from the anime Inuyasha. So there's, like, literally a drinking game for when they say each other's name because they say each other's <laughs> names. So it's like, Inuyasha! Kagome, Inuyasha, Kagome, like you would literally die if you actually played this drinking game. And that's what this moment reminds me of. <laughs> and it's just so funny to me. <laughs> In this house, we do that a lot. Like, we're, but we actually don't say each other's names. It'll be like husband, wife. Like, like the other day, for example, I was taking a bath and I had just done laundry. So, like, I forgot to grab myself a towel. So I was just like stuck in hot water. Oh, yeah. That's fun. So I screamed husband. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we talk to each other. We just, because also like we have to be somewhat careful when we yell because if we do it too long, Scam starts to freak out and yells at Quentin. Yeah. I think you and Ruth probably saw this at least once or twice when you were here, but like Quentin can only mess with me for like one or two seconds before Scam starts to freak out. So if we're yelling, it's like one or two seconds, and then Scamp decides to bark in Quentin's face because you're not supposed to yell at mom. 
Like if Quentin starts like tickling me or something, like I can, it can last like maybe 10, 15 seconds, but eventually Scampa is going to come over there and start biting his hand. Like not to hurt him. Like he's not like going to kill him. It's definitely like, Hey, we don't do that to mom. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) We love mom. It's, it's also Quentin's fault entirely because well, one, he's my seizure dog. Right. So like, it's his job to be, observant and to notice if I'm in if I'm in trouble mm-hmm. but like also when Scamp was a puppy he and I were wrestling and he was a he's a puppy okay so he tried to bite my neck like while we were playing and Quentin freaked out and was like immediately corrected it because you that's just how they have to learn and so yeah. ever since then Scamp will not wrestle with me at all oh. unless I have a toy and we're like tug of warring he just won't do it but that oh. also means that if anybody else is messing with me, Scamp is, like, right there. Nope. I learned you don't mess with Bob. Yeah. <laughs> so Thorne comes busting in. He's blindfolded. There's a bruise on his face. And I love how Cress, like, explains the situation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What page is this on again? 348. To your left, there's a lunar guard. And on your right is a doctor who's running tests on lunars. And I'm being held by one of Lavana's wolf hybrids. And please be careful. (laughs) (sighs) So much information. It's like that episode of Friends. That's a lot of information to get in 30 seconds. Yes. (laughs) A lot. There's a lot going on. And Thorne is very confused. He's like, er... Right. Uh, could you describe all of those threats again? Because I feel like I missed something. Thorn? Thorn? Who's in that? Who are you? Have you heard her? <laughs> yes. I know he's supposed to be threatening, but, like, I just can't take Thorn seriously. Even though, like, he was just a badass a couple chapters ago who, like, totally whiplashed um, Jamal at the hotel, which was a very, like, cool action hero, like, scene. Yes. <laughs> Which I loved, so. Yeah, so I love I love this next part that, like, Thorne's, like, now whipped out his gun, and <laughs> the inner guard just, like, plucks it out of his hand. So he's like, I, I love okay. that. And yeah. <laughs> Thorne, hey! <laughs> Get that back! <laughs> and now he's lost his cool. <laughs> Thorne gets like his his cane and tries to whap him with the cane and <laughs> Jacinta's is like I'll take that too. <laughs> and Thorne raises fists. I still got my fists. You can't take those from me. <laughs> next, he was probably going to be in an arm bar or something. Right. <laughs> I kick, and I kick her, sir. <laughs> That's enough. No one is getting hurt. No one is hurt, and no one is getting hurt. Yep. That's what you think, Wolfman, Doctor. Wait, Chris, which one is this? <laughs> this is like such a good classic Marissa Meyer, like cut the tension with a little bit of awkward humor, fate like scene. I love it. <laughs> yes, this is this scene is so funny. And like I said, it's just like that slapstick humor. Like it makes me think of like Larry Moe and Curly. Like, yeah. Just that <laughs> funny. Ugh. I love it. And I love, so the doctor is like, 
I'm a friend of Cinder's. I helped her break out of prison. And Thorne is like, ha, ha, I helped her break out of prison. And the doctor is like, hardly. Right. Because if anything, Thorne, she helped you break out of prison. You may have given her a shit. But what exactly did you do in that situation other than complain about gross sewage? Uh, He had the port screen. She could have gotten out without that, though. Fair. So, (laughs) and he wasn't the one that was like, hey, do you need this port screen here? Let me help you with this wire. Like, she took the port screen and the wire from him. I mean, Like, what did he personally do to accomplish getting her out of prison? Nothing. (laughs) He gave her a ship to escape on. He brought her back from consciousness. But again... That was because he didn't know how to use his own ship and she he didn't know how to fly the thing. So she had to use all of her power so that she could fly it for him. <laughs> like, I love Thorne. You guys know I love Thorne, but come on. What did he do? Someone please tell me. <laughs> Other than providing the Rampian. <laughs> what did he do? He provided his pretty face. He did provide a very pretty face. Yay! anyway uh the doctor is like i'm her ally so is this soldier he's just on heavy painkillers and delirious and wolf realizes it's thorn and says what happened where what happened to your eyes and then thorn is just like wait wolf I love it. This is Crest. You nearly gave me a heart attack with that wolf hybrid comment. Why didn't you just tell me it was him? Um. (laughs) Yeah, because I was supposed to know that. I mean, she technically, like, sort of saw him once through a net screen, but she was, like, hiding under her desk all awkward because her her crush called her. So. I get why when she was on that call, she would have only been paying attention to the guy that she was obsessed with, right? Of course. So Wolf thinks he had a nightmare. He thought Cinder said something about Scarlet before. Um, The the doctor says, Cinder's here. She's safe. This is kind of it. Like, this is kind of the end of the chapter. They're safe. The operative lets go of Cinder and she runs to Thorn. Chris. Right. My bad. The operative lets go of Cress and she runs to Thorn. And again, she's like, he's going to kiss me, right? Because that's what happens in the net dramas. So that's real life. <laughs> Sorry, sweetheart. Uh, no. <laughs> well, and I think, uh, did we mention, like, she had the thought of, did the guard portray Sybil? So, like. Oh, yeah, she did kind of have a thought of, like, if he, if the guard is her Sybil, if the guard is her Sybil, you guys, seriously, that's, I'm really tired. Um, if this guard is from Sybil, could he have betrayed Sybil and joined them? Exactly. Well, that's what seems to be happening, is that he betrayed Sybil. As we, as the reader, that's all we know, is that he betrayed Sybil, and now he's with Cinder. He's just really abrasive about it. Yes, definitely. Um, but if you remember, we found out a couple chapters ago that he actually does not serve Cinder, remember? Or did we find yeah. that out already? Yeah, we already know he served he serves his princess, who is Winter, not Celine. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> he had that thing with stars. No, I'm not crazy. Yeah. He was like, don't you think, isn't that why you're here? Aren't you here to help me overthrow the Levana? He's like, why do you think you can overthrow Levana, you crazy cyborg girl? (laughs) So, Kress asks how he found her. And he said, one of Gina's men told me the name of this place. And all I had to do was mention crazy doctor. And the folks outside all knew who I was talking about. And this is the part that I think Sarah hates. Sarah, Patreon member. He doesn't apologize at this moment like he should. Like she thinks he should. He Mm -hmm. says, um, he hugs her. He hugs her very closely and says, don't sound so surprised. He lifts, he hugs her so much. He lifts her clean off the floor. It turns out you're worth a lot of money on the black market. I think he's just not the kind of guy that says stuff, you know? Yeah, no. And I honestly, I definitely can't see him, to to his credit, I can't see him apologizing with all of these people around. Mm -hmm. Um, The only person in this group that he knows is Wolf. Mm -hmm. And, like, I would say, like, if he is going to say something to her... It's not going to be in this scenario, but I also don't think he's going to apologize. Like, because it's yeah. just not the kind of person I think he is. He just, he does something to redeem himself. I'm making air quotes, redeem himself, and then we move on. And I think perhaps because of that, like, because Quentin is like that, I don't notice it as much, but Quentin is like that. Like, Quentin's not big on, like, on like going out of your way to make apologies you just make amends yeah and quentin also when we first got together wasn't big on like declarations in general like i think i've mentioned before that the first time he actually said the words i love you was after we were married it was during our wedding vows Mm -hmm. so because to quentin it was like i mean i proposed to you obviously i love you or we wouldn't be getting married like why would i have to tell you that don't you know that yeah but like I like hearing it a lot. So I also grew up hearing it a lot. Like my dad, when he was growing up, no one ever said I love you. So Mm -hmm. my dad is like constantly telling us he loves us and my bonus mom. And so it rubbed off on us. So my sisters and I are constantly like, I love you. You know, like even when we're on the phone, we'll say I love you by like four times before we hang up. Yeah. Like. (laughs) I'm like that way with my friends. Like I'm, I'm very much, if I care about you. I will tell you that I love you. Like I am, I am not shy with saying it because I have so few people in my life that I find important to me that I want you to understand how much I care about you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ashley and I still say love you when we're like getting off the phone or texting or something. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my best friend, Sarah and I say love you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's to me it's like and I know I've I've heard people say that like love is something you don't give to everybody it's not something that I give to everybody but like I'm just a very lovable person and I don't mean like in terms of like people should love me I mean like I just love like I'm full of that kind of emotion that's why I'm such a hopeless romantic um which also is like why I'm such a fierce friend when I'm a friend of someone like and that's why I think I I was so 
invested in the friendship with you and Ruth from the beginning is because like we spent that whole first day that we met together. We were literally together for like 13 straight hours yes. and it felt like I'd known you guys for years and yes. we've been like very close friends ever since. Yeah, no, definitely. Like it was one of those serendipitous moments and like we just all instantly felt that connection and mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for it. I am too. And it's it's rare that that kind of stuff happens as a grown up. So it's mm -hmm. always like really nice when it happens. Ashley and I were like that too. Like I met Ashley because she works with Quentin and Quentin came home. I was like, Hey, uh, this girl just started working at my office. And I was like this girl. And he's like, okay, she's like a grown person. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I think you guys would be really good friends. And I was like, why? And he was like, she loves reading. She loves Harry Potter. She like makes her own clothes. And I was like, okay. And we met and we hung out for like six hours straight. And we just sat on the couch talking about anything everything all the things and we've been friends ever since no and i think it's rare that that happens as a grown-up oh yeah yeah it's it, making making friends as an adult is hard and i actually watched i watched a youtube video on this like yesterday or the day before and it was actually like uh he was using the fox and the hound as an explanation on it as a as a child it's so easy to make friends because like you're in the same environment you're going to school together like you can be friends with just because the kid sits next to you like it's so easy but as an adult you have those things like you have those connections to your friends which is kind of why you like can drift away is because mm -hmm. those those connections kind of fall away um but I think those that you have like a deep connection with, those are always going to last. Um, but as an adult, it's much harder to find to find those connections. And that's where I think being part of the the Lunar Chronicles community that you've brought together and being part of the um, like Bookstagram community on Instagram. Like it's so nice to have people that you can connect with because we all have the same interests. We're all either interested in the Lunar Chronicles or we're all interested in reading and that gives us a starting point and then you get to know each other and it just those those friendships are just so meaningful um they are and and I prior to doing this podcast had no idea how much a an internet friendship would mean to me but like all of the friendships that I've made through the podcast, through Patreon, through just listeners, like there's just listeners who aren't even Patreon members that message me frequently and I feel connected to them. And like, I'm currently making like New Year's cards for all the Patreon members to say like, happy new year, because mm -hmm. I want this new year to be a fresh start for everybody. <laughs> 2020 is done. Let's move on. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to personalize them. And I was having so much fun just sitting there, like thinking back to all the memories that I have with these individual people, whether it was like something we, we talked about during a zoom meeting, or if we recorded an episode together already, or even just like the first time they messaged me or emailed me, like, it's just something I, I never would have thought that I would have such a connection to people I've never actually met in real life. Mm -hmm. Like, and obviously there's like, you know, this is, kind of, I feel like the internet is kind of like the best form of pen pal possible. Yes. You can, you can find people who have the same interests and then you can find other, 
connections that you have. Like I have a, I have a group of girls on Instagram where at the beginning of quarantine, I have a friend and she created a gratitude group. So every, I mean, everything was really hard and we just got, she got a, a group of us girls together and was just having us tell each other what we were grateful for. And now those girls, we talk almost every day and they, I mean, they were my lifeline for a while because things have been so hard, but just having that support system and having, like, you can say, like, I had a good day or I had a bad day and like having that support and somebody's like, you got this, don't worry about it. Or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sending you all of the good vibes and like that connection I mean, that has gotten me through a lot this year. And Um, I think we've done that a lot on the Patreon as well. Like someone, we've had multiple people go on job interviews and we're all like, you know, good luck. If you need help, let us know. Like, let us know how it went. Let us know when you hear back. We're all really excited for you. Oh, yeah. We've had people that are like, oh, I'm having such a rough day today, you know. Yeah. And I love, like, I love that we have Sarah, like, Sarah's on there and like, she's been so helpful to some of the younger um younger listeners who are like in college and really starting to do their starting to work on their resumes and do stuff like that and she's helped out with that and she's just so sweet and like she's so having that about it too. she's just like do you need help with like trying to figure out a career path do you need help with like resumes like i'm totally here for you like and that's her yes. job like that's something she gets paid to do it's not something she has to offer up no. For free, but she just does because she's so kind and generous yes. with her with her time and her knowledge. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we love you, Sarah. We do. Love you, Sarah. We tease you about Thorn, but we really do love you. Yes, of course. I mean, All and you time. you really you have to have that person though, like in our in our group because there's just so much Thorn love. Like we gotta have there somebody really who brings us down to earth. Like, no, there's devil's advocate here. <laughs> um, my sister, Lindsay, is also 100% convinced that when Quentin finally gets to this book, he'll never forgive Thorne for this. Yeah. For letting her, for letting her in quotations, because I, I still don't think it's entirely his fault. I think Gina wanted her. Gina was going to find a way to get her. But exactly. for playing a game and letting her get kidnapped while flirting with some robot girl, like, Lindsay is 100% convinced that Quentin is going to think he's a complete boy and is never going to forgive him. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love Thorne, but that doesn't mean that my husband will love him. So. Exactly. Yeah. I have a feeling my husband, like my husband right now loves Kai. Uh And I have a feeling that's always going to be his favorite, even after he meets all the characters. Cause I, I feel like him and Kai have a lot of like similarities. Yeah. I think he might. Do you think he's too similar to Jason to appreciate Jason? I think so too. I think he's very similar to Jason. Like him and Jason have like just such similar like mannerisms and he's also very abrasive and hard to get to know in certain terms. And I think that like once you get to know him, he's like Kai and Thorne put together. But I yeah. think he's way too similar to J- to Jason to like appreciate him as a character. Or if anything, it, like, holds a mirror, and so he finds it annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I'm really... This boy needs to get back onto listening. But I'm really interested. I haven't driven to, anywhere to, because the world is closed. I know. 
Well, maybe just like play it in the background while he's like has his VR helmet on. <laughs> I keep trying to play it like when we're in the car or when he's like napping or something. Like, so I'm like just listen to it. <laughs> I'm like, I could just read to you like an hour a night before you go to bed. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Anyways, what was your um, chapter title for 39? My chapter title is Gotta Be a Reason from Alec Benjamin. And um, I just feel like there's, again, the serendipity, like with everything, they've they've all come together in this moment. So there's gotta be a reason for all of this. Um, yeah. And in, in the song, like, I want to say the first line is, gotta be a reason that we're here on earth. So, uh, for Cress, like, there's got to be a reason that she's here on Earth right now at this moment. That they're uh, all there on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, very... that is really cool. Mm-hmm. So I chose Superman by Taylor Swift, um, which is like a an underrated song. It was a bonus song on her Speak Now album, so I'm sure a lot of people have never even heard of it. Um, but it's a great song, of course, and um, I love the the lyrics, and I think some of them translate well to a lot of elements from this particular chapter, and a lot of elements to like the relationship that Thorne has with Cress, and mm-hmm. it's so. One of the lyrics I was gonna say is, "You smile and say how are you, and I'll say just fine." No, yeah. I watched Superman fly away. You've got a busy day today. Go save the world. I'll be around. I watched Superman fly away. Come back with me someday. I'll be right here on the ground when you come back down. So I just keep on. I want to sing like the whole song and that's not appropriate. But yeah, she was just not necessarily just standing around waiting for Thorne to come and rescue her, but she was definitely like, Thorne's going to come. It's fine. Thorne will come rescue me. Like that was her mantra these last couple of chapters. Yeah. Yeah. So my quote, bottom of page 350, you came for me. He beamed, looking for all the world like a selfless, daring hero. Love it. Yes. He's so happy he found her, you guys. I know he didn't apologize. I know he didn't like scream it from the rooftops, but his actions speak louder than words. Yes. He's so, he's so happy that he found her. And that she's safe and is with people. Like, now he has... Yeah. Well, and now he has more sets of eyes. Um, And, yeah. Well, like you said, it's very serendipitous. Not only did he find Cress, but now him and Cress don't have to run around trying to find Cinder. Because she's there, too. It's all very convenient for the plot. (laughs) Very, very convenient. So, what was your quote? Uh, my quote was the next part, which makes yours seem a little uh, different. So, well, that's okay. Sarah will probably appreciate that. <laughs> so, my quote is his last line, which is, "Don't sound si- don't sound so surprised. It turns out you're worth a lot of money on the black market." <laughs> so, that is just on brand for Thorne because he won't apologize 
And he also won't, like, he has to be a braggart and he has to be, like, um, he won't just, he won't say, I was worried about you or I was concerned. He's going to say, yeah, you are worth a lot of money on the black market. Why wouldn't I come find you? Like, he won't, he won't admit his feelings. So he's just going to, like, say something like this that's gonna like make you laugh or make you like a thorn and that's why you have that's why i sometimes think that like with thorn actions speak louder than words yes if he wasn't sorry if he didn't feel responsible for her safety if he didn't care about her well-being he wouldn't have gone through the trouble of coming to find her exactly so it's, it's okay if he doesn't necessarily scream those things yeah because you know had someone else found her and he got there after the fact and said sorry, it would almost mean nothing because he wasn't the one who had done something to try to find her in the first place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for this week, I did not find any Easter eggs, but as always, if you see some, please feel free to message me. No hair, no tomatoes, no gloves, but the bonus word captain appeared four times. next week we're gonna cover chapters 40 and 41 please 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 rate review and subscribe i really appreciate it follow on instagram please check out patreon there's so much cool stuff on there (laughs) morgan where can people find you on social media if they would like to do so um i have an instagram it is lovely reading l-o-v-e-l-e-i-g-h reading um, I have a Facebook page that is connected to it, and um, you can find all of my other social medias um, on the link tree on my on my Instagram. So, Yay! Thank you so much for being here. I love talking to you. Yes, I love you too. And we are going to talk tomorrow. <laughs> yes, we are going to we are going to talk tomorrow. You and I have not recorded three times in like a week. <laughs> We haven't talked in like months. I know. And then all of a sudden we're recording like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and then next week is also the Zoom, the Patreon Zoom party. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to technically still be at work, but I'm going to log in anyway. <laughs> so anyways, everyone, big thank you for being here. Um, as always, keep reading, keep listening, and don't get glamored. Don't get glamored. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Cress by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Morgan Clark. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening.